tonight we want to jump back into our series called Juice. Um, we started this series by asking a very important question. And the question we asked was, does the world need the church? Does the world need the church? If the world doesn't need the church, then what on earth are we doing? Okay, there's no business for us to gather. There's no business for us to meet like this. If, if the answer to that question is no, then we are very hopeless people. Okay? But we didn't answer it with a no because we believe that's not what the scriptures teach. We believe that the world does need the church. And the reason why the world needs the church is because the church has what the world needs. We have what the world needs. We have, and we looked at this in the beginning of the series, we we have what the world needs. And what we have that no one else has is we have a transforming gospel. We have the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we have. And so the world needs the church because the church has what the world needs. And what we have is this gospel that sets us free from the sin that's in our hearts. It sets us free from the guilt from that sin. It restores us back into the relationship with our creator who made us. It gives us a brand new identity. Our identity is not found anymore in what we do for a living, where we live, what country we're from, how much money we make, whether we have a job or not. Our identity is found in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what happens when those of us have received the transforming gospel of Jesus. So it redefines our identity. It unifies us with those who have given their lives to Christ, who live in China, Colombia, Colorado, Uruguay, wherever, wherever the church is, we have a bond with them because we have Christ together. So it gives us a new identity. It unifies us. It, it propels us as people to give and to serve. And we looked at that, and, and, and it also wins. The gospel wins. Jesus wins. He wins. There's going to be a day when Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to make all things right. That's the gospel. The That's the gospel. That's what we as the church have. We have this news, and our world is needing that news. It's needing Christ, and we have Jesus. And so we answer the question, does the world need the church? Yes, the world needs the church because the church has what the world needs. We have a a transforming gospel. And so if we have what the world needs, next question, how do we get to the world what they need? How do we get into the world this gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms people, transforms persons individually, transforms families, transforms communities? How do we get this transforming gospel into our world? And we likened the gospel to juice. All right, and so if if you're going to give someone a glass of juice, what do you do? You have to pour the juice in. It doesn't just come out of the carton on its own. There has to be something that if the world is an empty glass and the juice and the gospel's the juice, it's you, God's given us, the church, the mission of pouring the juice of the gospel into the empty glass of the world. So how do we do that? We looked at one way we do that as the church is by preaching Christ. Another way that we pour the gospel into the empty glass of the world is we obey Christ out of a love for Christ. And tonight, another way that we pour the juice of this transforming gospel into the world is this we serve two communities we serve two communities i want you to go to the book of acts chapter 6 we're going to look at a couple passages tonight acts chapter 6 so we pour the juice of the gospel tonight we're looking at we pour the juice of the gospel into the world by serving two communities and we've looked at the first century church and we've looked at them and we said how have they poured the gospel into the world how did they do it 
They preached Christ. We looked at that. They obeyed Christ. But they also served two communities. And I have here a table that represents the two communities. Okay, and at this table we have two glasses that are filled with juice. And then we have two glasses that are not filled with juice. They're all at the same table, right? Because the two communities exist together. The two communities that we're talking about, the first community that we're talking about that we serve is the church. We pour the juice of the gospel into the world by serving the church. Those of us that are part of the church, we pour the gospel in. We make Christ known by serving one another in the church. That's the first community. And that's represented by these two table settings with the juice already poured in. They've received Jesus Christ. They've been set free from their sin. They've been transformed. They have the gospel inside because they've received it. But over here, we have another community represented by those who have not received Jesus Christ. They have not received the juice of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Yet we all sit at the table, right, together. We go to work together. Our kids play on the same basketball teams or soccer teams. We live next door to one another, right? We rub shoulders. Some are left-handed, some are right-handed. So we kind of switch the table around to eat better, right? We all, I mean, we live together in that sense of we go to play, we work together, we play together. And yet we're very different. And that difference is Jesus Christ. And so one way that we as the church pour the gospel into our world is by serving both communities. And that's what we want to look at tonight. Acts chapter 6. Here, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and I'll read it for us. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, I'm going here, Timon, probably not from Lion King, um, Parmenas Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And here's the verse right here. What's the result? Verse 7, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. What we have in this passage in Acts chapter 6, the church has a problem. And what I love about this passage is it shows the church isn't perfect. We don't have it all together. We have issues. We have problems. And there was a problem going on in this church. There were some people whose needs were not getting met. If we were to read Acts chapter 4, what was going on in Acts chapter 4 at the end? People were selling land. They were selling all kinds of stuff. And they were bringing the money that they received from those sales, laying it at the apostles' feet, the church leaders' feet, saying, we trust you to use these monies in whatever way you see fit in order to meet the needs of the people in the church. All right, so that's what they were doing. They were selling different things. They were bringing their monies to the church leadership saying, we are trusting you to take these monies, okay, to take it and to distribute as you see fit. And one of the ways they, they distributed it was to the widows in need. Okay, so they're doing that. And what happens is some of the widows were getting neglected. All right, some of the, 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 the needs were not being met. And so they get everybody together and they say, hey, listen, this can't happen. What do we need to do to solve this problem? And so they select seven men, they choose seven men, these seven men, then what do they do? They go serve. 
They serve. They do something simple. They said, okay, we'll take it upon ourselves to serve these people, to make sure the needs are met. And I love Luke as he writes this, because in verse 1 he says, in those days the number of disciples was increasing. Man, the church was booming. It was moving. It was going forward. The number of disciples increasing. It's an incredible time in the first century church, yet it has a problem. It's not a perfect church. Okay, it's a It's a church that's been changed and transformed by Jesus Christ, but we have issues, all right? We've got problems, and yet God in his sovereignty, God says, listen, here's how I want you to solve this, to get people together. He said, let's serve. And I love the response, verse 7, as a result of of, of serving, so the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So here you have just something of, hey, you guys have a need. We're going to serve you. We're going to meet the needs of these widows. And as a result, it's going to free people up to preach Christ, obey Christ. We're going to serve this community called the church. And as a result, the word of God spreads. The number of disciples increases. And even priests are saying, well, so it's not about how good I am, about what I do, how many Ten Commandments I obey. It's about Jesus. I'm in. I give my life over to Jesus. All because God was using something as simple as serving the community of the church. God was using that to pour the juice of the gospel into the world. And so what you had here is you have these two people sitting. Oh, you have a need? I'll meet that need. What do you need? I got it. Okay, I'll go sell this. And Okay, I'll meet that. All right. Now imagine what the people at, or at these place settings are doing. They're sitting there going, man, look at these people serve one another. That's amazing. They take care of each other's needs. You know, that's amazing. I'm you know, and they're watching all this going on, and they're, man, they're even selling stuff, helping each other. And it's just like that they take care of one another. We're seeing something we've never seen before. And these people are like, oh, yeah, what do, we, yeah, what do you need? Oh, man, I got it. I'm on it. I'll, get, I'll take care of you. Well, let me pray for you about that. But it goes beyond just prayer. We're going to do everything we can to meet each other's needs. And while that's happening, those without the, without the Jesus, those people have not given their lives to Jesus, they're seeing all this go on. They're watching and in Acts chapter 6, you have this. I can just imagine some of these priests and some of these others are looking at this church going, wow, look at them take care of one another. That's incredible. And they take care of one another because of Jesus Christ. And you see, I ask the question as I'm looking like this, I'm reading this, I'm going, where in the world did they learn to serve like this? Where? Where did the first century church learn to serve like this, to sell stuff and and help one another out like we see in the first century church? Where? Answer, Jesus. They learned to serve by watching Jesus. Now keep in mind in the first century, the leaders, some of them, they walked with Jesus. They heard Jesus teach. They hung out with Jesus. They saw this Jesus. They say, God, come to us in flesh. They saw him serve. And so they knew how to serve because they saw the Savior serve. They knew how to take care of one another because they saw Jesus take care of other people. They saw Jesus take care of them. You can keep your finger in Acts chapter 6, but I love Mark chapter 10 where it says here, Jesus is speaking, and he says, Mark chapter 10 verse 45, he says, For even the Son of Man, referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So even Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And so in the first century church, we're like, Jesus served. Let's serve. Let's care for one another. Let's take care of our own within the community of the church. And that's what you have. Jesus served. We see it in John chapter 4, him saying, listen, I've come to do the will of the Father. He served his Father. In John chapter 5, um, he talks about him, come, or John chapter 6, he, he talks about him being committed to the mission for why he was sent. One of the most beautiful passages of Jesus serving is the washing of the disciples' feet. John chapter 13 
Right? Here's Jesus, God himself, kneeling down at the feet of these disciples, washing their feet. That left in a powerful impression upon those church leaders in the first century church. And they said, you know what? We serve like Jesus did. We, we serve. We take care of each other. We serve because we saw Jesus serve. And Paul writes in Philippians 2, he said, Jesus came to us, right? And he took on the nature of a servant and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The most beautiful way Jesus served was when he came to us and put himself on the cross. That was the greatest act of service ever in the history of the world was the death of Jesus Christ on the cross to take the payment that we deserve for our sins. And so the first century church, they said, yeah, we serve one another. Yeah, we take care of each other. We have our needs. People say, well, how, why do you do that? Because how can we not when our Savior served us so deeply? How can we not when we understand how much our Jesus served us when he put himself on the cross? And all this time while they're serving one another, what's happening? They're watching. We're rubbing shoulders, right? They're seeing this. And I could see them, man, why don't they come over here and serve us? Right? We're getting there. Right? We're going there. But it starts here. It starts with us as the church taking care of one another and meeting each other's needs. So they learn to serve by watching Jesus. And this is happening. I mean, the church is doing this. The church is taking care of one another. I'll tell you a little story how we've seen the church take care of us in amazing ways. Just a couple of weeks ago, our heat went out. Okay, and our house is one of those times where like you're going, oh man, okay. And we have a, thankfully we have um, one of those homeowner's warranty things. Not my own opinion of that, but I'll say that for later. But, you know, um, where they just come out, fix it just enough. All right. And so they get, anyway, but um, that's another story. <laughs> our heat broke. Okay. And we're like, what on earth are we going to do? Okay. And we need heat. That's something we're probably going to need down the road. And so it was going to be a hundred bucks. And we're like, okay you know, $100. And honestly, just thinking, okay, how are we going to, didn't really budget for that. What are we going to do? And so we were at Living Community one night. Haven't told anybody this. Not told anyone. All right? Not, never told anyone how much it was going to cost. Nothing. We come out of Living Community. I get in my van, and right there in my dashboard is a $100 check made to us. They had no clue that our heat went out. They had no clue it was going to cost 100 bucks. None. That's the church taking care of the church. All right? That's, that's what we do. That's, that's how we take care of one another. And as we do that, and as we serve one another, what's happening? The juice, the gospel of Jesus Christ is being made known. Why did they do that? Why did they give that to us? I don't know. God impressed that upon their hearts. But you know what? They give because they know, hey, Jesus gave to me. Jesus is going to take care of me. I can give. It's not mine anyway. I can give it back. And see, that's what's so powerful. When we as the church serve one another, Christ is being made known. He's being seen. And that's how we take care of one another. And so as we serve each other, all at table one, while that's going on, those in the other seats, they're watching. And they're saying, what about me? What about, what about us? And so let me ask you, if you're, if you're here tonight and you're sitting at these two um, table settings, you're part of the church, you've given your life to Christ, tonight, how's the service going on? How, how are you serving one another? 
And we're seeing this happen, not just us personally. I mean, I've seen people give gas cards. People get, take meals over to one another, um, buy Christmas presents for families. Um, we're, we've served other expressions of the church here at Living Church, heard of pastors having medical bills. We've helped them, um, just different things that we've done. I'm not saying this anyway to make anyone feel guilty. I'm saying this, listen, keep going. Keep serving each other. Keep doing it. Why? Because as you serve each other as the church, Christ is being made known. The glory of God is lifted high. And people, they might not be able to explain it. But when they ask, why do you do that? You say, because of Jesus. Because of how Jesus served me. Okay? And that's, that's how we pour the juice of the gospel into the glass of the world is by serving the community of the church. And so keep serving. Are there needs that you know of within the church body that you say, you know what? I can, I can help there. I can help there. Do it. That's, that's why? Because that's what we do. We serve one another because of what Jesus has done for us and how he served us. And so one way we pour the juice of the gospel is by serving the community of the church. And wherever you will find an expression of the church, you will find people serving one another. You will. Wherever you will find the church, you will find people serving one another because that's what the church does. Because that's what the Savior did for the church. Okay, so we serve, we pour the juice of the gospel by serving the community of the church. We also pour the gospel. We also communicate the gospel by not just serving one another, but by also serving the community of those needing the church. Okay? We pour the juice of the gospel not not only by serving one another, but also by serving those needing the gospel. All right, can you imagine if we just kept serving one another and here we are rubbing shoulders and they're, and they're going and they're, they're going, what in the world? I mean, this is amazing what these people do. This is, I've never seen anybody like sell stuff and like help one another. I've never ever seen that. That'd be great. Man, I wish, man, how do we jump into that? That'd be great. I'm, why do they do that? And they're asking all these questions. Meanwhile, we're so busy, right? Serving one another that we never like look over here. It's all conversation here, but maybe not much conversation over here. It's both. I'm not saying it's one or, one or the other. It's both. You see, we pour the juice of the gospel by serving the community of those needing the church. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to read a, um, something that the Apostle Paul wrote when it came to this. And look at Paul's attitude in his life when it comes to serving the community of those needing the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse uh, 19. Well, look at verse 16, because I just love this passage. Man, you just see his heart when it comes to pouring the gospel. He says, yet when I preach the gospel, I can't boast, for I'm compelled to pour the juice. I'm compelled to tell people and make Christ known. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. Look at verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no, one, no man, I make myself a slave. And that word is servant. It's the word doulos. It means servant. I make myself a servant to 
everyone. Why? To win as many as possible, to bring people to Christ, to make Christ known. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Verse 21, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's. I love, I love the little parentheses. Though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all men, so that by all possible means, I might save some, meaning people might see Jesus, that the world might experience the Jesus that has changed my life and the Jesus that can only change their life. And what Paul is saying is, listen, I'm going to do whatever it takes to serve the community of those needing the, chief, needing the church so that they can see Jesus, so that they too can sing one thing remain, so that they too can be, I've been set free, the chains are gone. And so Paul's saying, I'll become whatever it takes so that they too can have this amazing gospel that's changed my life, set me free, and brought me back into relationship with the one who made me, who is Jesus. And he's specifically referring when he says, I make a slave to every, make myself a slave to everyone. He's saying, he's specifically talking to those who need Christ, those who need the gospel, those who need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love it how he says, I make myself. There's an intentionality there, right? There's an intentionality to where we're like, yeah, I don't know if, you know, these people are talking and. You know, and they're conversing, and that's natural because we spend a lot of time together because we hang out together as the church, serving one another, that kind of thing. And meanwhile, right here are people who are saying, you know what, I, I want what you have. I need what you have. But we're still talking, right? And Paul's saying, no, 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 I, I intentionally turn, and I'll do whatever it takes so that they can hear about Jesus Christ. And I'll serve them. I'll make myself a slave to everyone so that they too can experience the freedom that Jesus Christ can bring. And we see examples of this. Paul, Acts chapter 21, he participates in Jewish purification ceremonies just to build a bridge. Simply to build a bridge. I think the greatest act of service is seen in Acts 16.3. Timothy getting circumcised. I'm just saying. Okay, I don't know how old the dude was, serious service, okay, um, doing whatever it takes, doing whatever it takes so that, you know, people might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's purpose and intent for serving those needing the church is so that the gospel could be made known, so that people could hear of Jesus. Question, where did the church learn to serve like this? Answer, Jesus. Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you look at there, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Powerful statement here. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. What's Paul saying? is like, I'm going to become whatever it takes so that people can experience Jesus Christ and be set free from their sin, have the guilt removed, be restored into the relationship with the Creator, have the promise of being forever with Jesus one day, no longer under the penalty of the wrath of rebellion against God. I'm going to do whatever it takes so that they can hear that message and be set free. And he's saying, I'm just doing what Jesus did. I'm just doing what Jesus did. 
John chapter 2, verse 11. What's Jesus do? He turns water into wine at a wedding, right? You know what it says at the end? It was in that moment that the disciples put their faith in him. And that the glory of Jesus was revealed. What was Jesus doing? He was just serving people. He was just pouring the juice. He was just meeting a need. And through it, God used his service to those needing him to, sh- to reveal who he is, to show who he is. John chapter 6, verse 57, 58, Jesus feeds the, the 5,000. Many of us know that story. What's the result of that story? Jesus serves these people. Why? So that they can see that he's truly the bread of life, the living bread of life. The purpose of that miracle was so that they could see Jesus for who he really is. And what's he do? He's just serving people food in a pretty amazing way. Okay, I don't want to ignore that. I mean, come on. But still, it's just serving people. It's serving those who need him. And again, the ultimate expression of Jesus serving those who even are his enemies is the cross. For while we were yet without sin, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. You see, those of us who are sitting here, we know what this is like without Jesus. And I love that last line where it says, there's no meaning without the presence of Jesus. And for those of us that have Jesus, there's meaning now. There's freedom. There's forgiveness. All because of Jesus on the cross. And that's the greatest act of service that Jesus ever gave to those who are separate from him was the cross. And now we say, yes, that's why I can serve that way. Because Jesus did that for me. Jesus served me in that way. And we see this happening in living communities, people in doing Operation Christmas Child. We have monthly visits to the nursing home. One community does, and we're proclaiming Christ at the nursing homes. We see people taking meals to neighbors. Um, at, at our living community, we had a, a teacher uh, doesn't come to our living community, but through um, at one of the school, local schools, I think they're doing something adopting at legal fees. We took a collection, and through that, I heard she, when that check was given to her, just she's overwhelmed with emotion, just so thankful. And through that, Christ is being made known. Let me tell you another, give you another example of how serving those needing Christ, needing the church, pours the gospel. We're friends with um, the Hilshers, who are good friends with um, Mark and Gina Schmidt in Guatemala. And I've gotten to know Mark just a little bit, and Mark and Gina left everything to go to Guatemala to serve. Didn't know where they were going to get paid, didn't know how money was going to come. And they serve with another couple there, and I recently got an email, an update of what God was doing. And they've been there for several years now just serving, just serving, just serving these kids, helping them learn um, education, teaching them through sports, helping them to, to how to make a difference and be uh, respectful and all these different things. And they've got a website, DeepStream, and I'd encourage you to go see it. But this is one of the updates, okay? This is what happened when we serve those needing the church Okay, just listen to this. And he entitles this entry. He says, this is why we are here. He says, this is why we are here. All of the long days, emotional roller coasters, crying, working, laughing, worrying, praying, grinding. It's all for moments like this. You see, a couple of our older boys in the Boys Academy chose to give their lives over to Jesus. He says, this puts in perspective the last four months of daily interaction friendship, struggle, practices, classes, experiences. So what's going on? For two or three years, they've just been serving. They've just been serving, caring for them, meeting needs. And he says it puts all that serving into perspective. 
The bigger purpose of what we're doing can slip my mind sometimes. But Friday night around a fire pit on the roof of the house, it all made sense. You see, me, Minor, and Anthony were sharing about our own walks with Jesus, his love, grace, and the freedom and joy we have in him. So see, they've been serving this community, right? But then they get that opportunity to actually preach Christ. So they've been obeying Christ. They've been serving the community, needing Christ. And now they're preaching Christ. And what happens? And the freedom. So they're sharing this with these boys and the freedom and the joy we have in Christ. And as we talked, Gato pictured far right, by far the hardest, toughest, most distant street kid on the team, broke down. Actually broke down, he says, doesn't begin to do it justice. This was a new experience for me. Gato's heart was literally overcome with pain. He couldn't breathe. As he gasped for air, he leaned over and told me he couldn't take the pain as he tapped his chest over his heart. His symptoms were as if he was having a heart attack. He needed help. He began to cry. As we prayed over him, he finally gave up. He let go of the life and the image that he was holding on so tightly to. to. He chose to be free, to give it all to Jesus and to start over. And you know what's happening, what he's describing right there? Let me show you what happened to Gato, okay? These guys are over in Guatemala and they just keep serving, right? They just keep serving them. They just keep loving them. And on this night, physically, his heart is overwhelmed. And he realizes what? He needs Jesus. He needs this Jesus that these guys are talking to him about. And what happens? That's what happens. That's what happens. He says he let go of the life and the image that he was holding on so tightly to. He chose to be free, to give it all to Jesus and start over. It was intense and beautiful to experience. Anthony Minor and I knew exactly what was happening. God was literally fighting for this young man's heart. So strongly that he had his head between his knees in pain, gasping for air. But he had to be the one to let it go. He had to be the one to choose to say yes to the grace of Christ or to hold on to his sin. And he said yes, and he was freed. Another boy, Joseph, second from the left, shared with us that he had fallen to the temptation of the world. Satan, he said, had many things to offer him, and they were all too strong for him to say no. In tears, he said he wanted to leave it all for Jesus Christ. And he confessed that his life of sin only brings temporary happiness, and he longs for true, lasting joy. And he gives his life to Jesus. So what's happening? They were serving, right? They were simply serving and obeying Christ. Get the opportunity to preach Christ, right? And this is what Brock says. He says, I am so amazed that I get to be part of this. Did you hear that? Here's a guy that's left everything that, from our standards. And he says, I love this next question. He goes, are you kidding me, God? I get to be there in the trenches for these battles? Are you kidding me, God? What an honor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is what it is all about. This is how the future of this village and any village for that matter can be changed and transformed. God, help us disciple these boys well. Use these young men to break the generational chains of sin and abuse in this place. And we praise you for what you are doing. You see, Brock and Mark, and they're just serving each other. But then they leave everything and they 
go and they just start serving those needing Christ. They keep serving and keep serving. They get the opportunity to preach Christ. And now there's two young men that maybe we'll never get to meet them here. But there's going to be a day when we're going to be like, tell us the story. I mean, for you. I mean, we heard it from Brock's perspective, but I want to hear it from you, man. We're going to get that opportunity. We're going to get that opportunity. And see what happens is, don't you want to write a story like this? As the church? And see, if all we're doing, and this has to happen, we got to serve one another because it's showing something. But there comes a time, too, when we say, hey, let me serve you. I'll become whatever it takes so that you, too, can know this Jesus and be set free from your, their, from your sin, from their sin, like these boys were. So how do we pour the juice? We serve each other. We serve the community of the church. And we serve those needing the church. So how's the service going on here? How's the serving going on at the table? In your life, in my life, how are we serving each other? One more passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I just leave us with this just to encourage us. And we say, you know what, Mark? I am so tired. I don't know if I can serve anymore. I just keep giving and giving and giving and giving. You ever felt that way? I felt that way before. I think it's a natural thing. It just comes from being who we are. And so we say, okay, how do I keep serving God? How do I keep serving these people that need me and that need Christ ultimately? And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 9, and he's talking to the Corinthian church. He's saying they took up like offerings and they, um, like financial offerings and so that they could send that to the Jerusalem church to take care of the poor over in that city. So here you have the church taking care of each other, right, serving one another. And Paul says, here's why. Don't, don't lose your focus. Don't, don't lose why you're to do this. All right, and he says here in verse 8, chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. There's a lot of alls going on. He says, At all times, in all things, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And he's saying, You're doing this, you're serving because of the gospel that you've received. And then I love verse 15. He wraps it all up and he says, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, pointing them again to Jesus Christ. Pointing them to Jesus and the grace. Don't forget that you too were without Christ, lost, empty, without meaning, separate from God. But God in his grace, he poured out his grace in your life. And now you've been set free from sin. Don't lose sight of that and keep looking at Jesus. And as we keep looking at Jesus, Serving these two communities, the juice is poured, lives are transformed.